And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad? Jesus, you got some energy today. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. That's right, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you with the greatest and best Celtics second half preview anyone has ever heard. Uh, second half is a bit of a misnomer because they only have, uh, I think, like 20 or 22 games left in this season. But they're all riding a high. They are healthy coming back after uh, the All-Star break. And, uh, Jay, tell me what's going to happen. What's, what, what is in store for this Celtics team as they finish out the 2021-2022 the season? That's not a vague question at all. <laughs> I did. It's it's not vague. It's it's a it's it's an unclear question with no real answer. But it's it's not vague. It's pretty direct. What's going to happen? What is going to happen with the Celtics? Uh, well, first of all, I was mildly surprised that Marcus Smart and Robert Williams were both healthy for the first practice after the break. I guess I shouldn't have been after they were both doubtful. But that Marcus Smart ankle injury looked looked pretty bad. Um, so for him to be ready, that's probably good news. The uh, and no injuries to report. Celtics are fully healthy again. They've been very good when they have their f- full rotation healthy. So that's good. Um, and, okay. So one thing I want to see over the rest of the regular season is can they con- can they sustain and build upon the playing style that they've had recently because we've seen them beat up on bad teams. We've seen them win a lot of blowouts. We saw them eke out a couple of tough ones against the Nuggets and Hawks at home. But it, it's one thing to do it for a 10-game stretch. It's another thing for that to become the way you play every night. And and that means passing the ball. That means being unselfish. That means playing with pace. That means defending at the level that the Celtics have been defending. Um, and and I think there's reason for optimism that, that they've changed habits and that they, they are definitely one of the best defensive teams in the league and can score enough points to be really, really tough. Um, but I also think that they, they're still in the prove-it phase because it's it's only been like 15 games, 20 games, whatever it's been, that they've been playing a different brand of basketball. Yeah, I think the the biggest question for me is, and the thing that they have to prove, is their offense, especially in the half court and especially in a, in a kind of a late game scenario, because I feel like they've been pretty consistent all year, even when they were not winning as many games, that the defense is something that they like is going to be there and something that they can kind of ratchet up when they need it, but what happens when they're not playing, you know, the Pistons multiple times or every good team they play is like without their um, best player. Like they, they had some pretty decent wins, I think against the Nuggets and the Hawks, like decently talented teams, but I want to see how they compare to like the better teams in the Eastern conference. Let's say Brooklyn. Well, not this Brooklyn team that they're going to play on Thursday because Everyone is out uh, for them. That should be another runaway game for the Celtics. Like, 
the Grizzlies. I think their first test is going to be the Grizzlies, which is not till next Thursday. Um, they that still like, but like the Grizzlies, maybe the Mavericks, the Warriors. They don't have like a lot of super tough games remaining on their schedule. They got another one against the Raptors, Heat, Bulls. So they do have some uh, some tests late. But I'm very curious to see like what happens when they go up against another team with an, an elite defense or a team that can just kind of can still score with them or has an elite offensive talent. We've seen them beat up on the bad teams. I think the biggest question for them is what can they do? One, are they good enough on defense to kind of slow down the very good teams in the league? And then what happens when they need a bucket late? I think their offenses looked pretty good with, especially with the kind of the closing lineup of Derek White in there, but how quickly do they fall into kind of the old habits and how quickly do we see um, maybe isolation basketball and kind of the, the things that have plagued the Celtics over the last two seasons. Yeah, that's that's the biggest – that was the biggest issue earlier in the season and to this day the biggest question mark. Um, can they continue executing at that level when the game gets tight and everything becomes more difficult? And And I think that's when it's easier to lean back on bad habits when when it's harder – to get the easy stuff, if if that makes sense, when it's harder to get the easy stuff, that yeah, I that's mean, a turn of phrase that really is uh, <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Yeah, um, and, and I do want to see how how Derek White continues to impact that, and I want to see how that closing lineup works because obviously it should be really good defensively, um, but is there enough shooting around Tatum and Brown? Is there can they? punish teams like they hope to who have small guards out there by putting white and smart into actions can can they use those types of advantages to keep the ball moving around the perimeter in those late game situations um and i i think there's there's reason to hope that the Derek white addition will be key for them especially down the stretch because let's be honest like People were calling for Josh Richardson and Grant Williams to play down the stretch. And I, I think that was fair. I, I was one of them just because I didn't want it to be Dennis. No, but but that was totally fair. Like when the options were Dennis Schroeder or Richardson or, or Williams. Or going big with Horford, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think that was certainly like get away from Dennis, go with one of those guys. But also in an end-of-game situation, there just wasn't a whole lot of like Richardson, Williams, and to a lesser extent, Horford, like there's just not a lot of shot creation or like like those guys are, you don't want the ball in their hands late is is what I'm trying to get at. Um, unless they're just catching and shooting a three, right? Like you don't really want to put Josh Richardson into an action. You don't want to put Grant Williams into an action late. But Derek White, you can and and because he makes quick decisions because he's physical because he can do you know a little bit of everything and do it with intelligence like maybe he is the guy that that can change things for your late game offense and and I want to see more of that obviously he's only played like 3 games now in the closing lineup and the third time wasn't really the closing lineup because Robert Williams and Marcus Smart weren't playing so how does he change things as a connector? How do he and Marcus Smart, who are very similar players and have similar weaknesses, how do they mesh around Tatum and Brown? Can those two guys, because they're you know quick to pass, because they're both intelligent guys, because they both have size and know what to do, are they the types of players to accentuate Tatum and Brown and, and keep them away from some of their worst habits? And I think I think they could be. Um, but I also, I also want to see it. And then the other thing that I'm interested over the last, however many games is just how how good is this defense? (laughs) Like, like when they have everybody, it has looked, I mean, the numbers over the last 10 games or whatever, before the, the all-star break, they lapped the field. They like, they were miles and miles better than any defense during that time. And I know they were playing against some bad teams and I know, um, they had great health through all of it and not everybody did during that stretch, but 
that is more than a formidable defense. That is a possibly like elite, elite defense. And if they can play up to that level, then maybe it won't matter if sometimes the the offense stagnates a little bit. Um, so, so we'll see. Or do teams start to figure out some some of the stuff that they're doing with Robert Williams, you know, being the the rover guy and and providing all the help rather than being in the actions a lot of the time. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I think the defense is like it, you should believe in the defense, but but just how good is it? Is it really like better than anyone else's or is it just like a run-of-the-mill top five defense? Well, run-of-the-mill and top five don't really um, – those. that seems like a bit of an oxymoron. But I, I get what you're saying is like is it like truly – an elite defense where it's like, well, oh, it's like the 04 Pistons. I don't know. I think the 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 Rover Robert Williams thing and the fact that they like when he's in the game and they do have a smaller lineup, and even when they have Al in the game, I think that's like one of the real strengths of this team uh is the depth on the defensive end, in that if you call the 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 closing five the top five guys, and then you bring in Al Horford and Grant Williams, who are both just big bodies who can also um kind of facilitate switching on everything and just play very solid defensively. It's just a huge strength for the Celtics where they're never going to have a lineup where there's just like someone you can really attack unless you include like whatever the 10 minutes that you think Peyton Pritchard's going to get. I think their defense is definitely something that they're going to be able to kind of rely on. Again, it comes back to the kind of the, the, what you mentioned, the closing lineup and how well Marcus Smart and Derek White play off of Tatum and Brown. It's like, are we going to see teams just completely begging uh, Marcus Smart and Derek White to shoot? And like, are they talented enough to kind of, I guess, one, not just like shoot every single time? I feel like we've seen, I mean, like that swung playoff games. What was it against the Raptors or Marcus Smart hit all those threes? But are teams just going to be doing that? And are the Celtics like kind of those guards good enough to kind of, have that have Celtics win basketball games with uh, kind of on their backs because I know teams are going to force the ball out of Tatum's hands and Jalen Brown's hands. It's like how are the team other teams going to react to those those closing lineups? I think it's going to be interesting moving forward. But it feels like they're with the defense being as good as it is. It's just not a. If I was any other team, I, it, they're like I wouldn't really look forward to playing them in the playoffs. But then if you look at the sixteen or five teams above them in the uh, conference. There's I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to play. play I, <laughs> I would only like maybe the Cavs just because they haven't proven it. But like the Cavs are really good. But it's like I don't want to play the uh, the Bucks and Giannis. I don't want to really play Joel Embiid in a playoff series. Although the Celtics have had a lot of success against him, him and James Harden. That feels like a, a difficult guard. No one's really able to yeah, guard that Embiid. Does, that does feel like a difficult guard. The Miami Heat are like the team that no one's talking about, who are just like built for the playoffs and. I heard some crazy stat like that. Their top four guys have only played like 40 minutes together this entire year. And then the Bulls, if they can have all their guys healthy and like Caruso and Lonzo back, like the East playoffs is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And I just don't know. Like it's as good as the Celtics are playing at this point. I would not be shocked if they just like lost in the first round. But I also like wouldn't be surprised if they made like a sneaky Eastern Conference finals run. I just it think all it's depends like, on the bracket. It all depends on the bracket. Like, if you who do you get, think who do you think's the best matchup for them? Um, is it just the Cavs because they're kind of inexperienced and it would just be a defensive slugfest? Yeah, I think the Cavs are probably the team that everyone wants to play, um, which is sad because they've been awesome this year. But but That's when not you look sad, at it's part of their growth as a as a franchise in the post LeBron era. But when you look at it from a standpoint of like shot creation in the playoffs, I just don't see how that roster is going to have enough of it. Um, obviously, Garland's really good. Obviously, their their defense led by Jared Allen and Evan Mobley is fantastic. But I just don't see how an offense that only has basically one guard shot creator has a chance in the playoffs. So I think everyone's going to want to play Cleveland. And if you play Cleveland, like you'll be pretty happy. Um but yeah, I mean it, and maybe like 
Chicago, is that another team that teams will be lining up to play? They Just because you can exploit Vooch on defense? They haven't been healthy. They're not really deep. And, yeah, like they have guys you can try to pick on defensively. Whereas Miami just like Miami's going to be a bear, I think, in the playoffs. And then Philadelphia has Harden and Embiid. Like that's just dangerous as all hell. Brooklyn, like nobody wants to meet Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in a playoff series. And now it looks like Kyrie might be able to play all the home games too. Um, and the Bucks, obviously, they won a championship. They have most of their guys back and. They're dangerous as hell. Even the Raptors so, would be annoying as hell to play, like just with all of their length and their kind of crazy intense defense they play. I don't think they necessarily have the scoring, but they're uh, like would just be obnoxious. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. I just they would just kick the other team's ass for however many games it takes them to lose the series. Yeah, I I I, I kind of disagree there. Um, I don't think like they're not the same Raptors teams that just kicked everyone's ass defensively. Like to hear Jason Tatum talk about the seven game series against Toronto, it was just hellacious to play against Kyle Lowry and all those guys for a playoff series. And maybe they could get to that level, but I just think like they're 13th in defense. Um, And so, so I, I just, I don't really, and they, they've been better lately. Uh, I'm I'm, just, they just have like five or six guys who are all six eight and kind of like freak athletes. I just and think added another like, one. Not that he's a freak athlete anymore. In Thad Young too, like they're just six eight everywhere. And that petulant child Nick Nurse knows how to scheme up a defense. Like he, I, I don't like the man, but man, do I respect him. He is a, a very solid coach. Um, do you think that's going to be an issue for the Celtics in the playoffs? I mean. We've talked about Ime Adoka, and he certainly had his struggles early on in the season. But, you know, Pardo Ime has won out, and he, they've done a very good job of kind of crafting the defensive identity and uh, improving ball movement. Do you think they're at a disadvantage, especially just compared to the kind of other teams or other coaches in the playoffs? If, like, Spo, I don't know if Doc Rivers is, in a, is a great playoff coach given his track record, but, um, but I don't know. It's just Ime's first playoffs. Do you think that kind of puts the Celtics at like a, a bit of a detriment just because he's never really done it before? I guess we'll see. Um, you don't want to say he'll be a bad playoff coach before he even coaches a single postseason game. But, but you also could, don't want to say he's going to be a good one because yeah, we have no idea. There could definitely be a learning curve. And like when you look back to Brad Stevens in the playoffs, like I think he was really good. He was really good as an in-game coach. He was good at adjustments. He was. He started Gerald cha- Green in Game Three. I mean, that's yeah, that's an adjustment right there. He was willing to change lineups and strategies and do it quickly, um, no matter what. Like a season's worth of data said, because the matchup dictated that he do one thing, and I think he was really good at that. Um, now, like how many? playoff series did the Celtics win in or lose in Brad's tenure that they shouldn't have maybe like the heat series in the Eastern Conference Finals that one year um, but I'm not sure they shouldn't have won that or they should have won that but they definitely had a chance other than that like no they, they kind of outperformed in the playoffs uh, most of the time yeah like I I can't remember them losing to a team that they should have beaten. Um, yeah, well, against Kyrie's final series against Milwaukee, they could have uh, maybe put up more of a fight, but I don't know if that was in, under Brad's yeah, that, control. That's, because that's 100% fair. Kyrie was uh, switching on to Giannis. I don't know if Brad drew up that in the huddle. Uh, I think that Kyrie might have gone rogue for that one. <laughs> what, a, what an experience that playoff series was. Um but yeah, so I, I think Brad was typically an advantage on the sideline in the playoffs, and I don't know if Ime will be. Um, and from that sense, like, we'll see. But like you said, like, Spolstra is 
awesome. Um, I guess like there aren't a ton of like awesome playoff coaches in the East as good as the conference is. Yeah, I was going through it and meeting was like, uh, eh, Doc Rivers, uh, JB Bickerstaff's never done it. Uh, Vinny Del Negro. Oh, I have no. Who's the coach of the Bulls? Vinny Del Negro. Billy. I know. Donovan, I'm no thinking of I'm Billy Donovan. Vinny I knew Del it was Billy Negro. Donovan. I was just thinking Italian. I'm sorry. That's my bad. <laughs> that's a has, wild one. That's Vinny, that's probably Billy the Donovan wildest. ever proven it in the playoffs. <laughs> that's crazy, man. My man said Vin, Vinny Del Negro is the coach of the Bulls. Wow. Uh, he was at one point. Am I wrong? Many many moons ago. <laughs> When Derrick Rose is like a rookie. <laughs> uh, the pre-Tibbs Bulls. Just special. Special moment in the podcast there. Um, what? Uh... Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We got we got Martin L. waiting to uh, ask a question, so let's go to him. And it's an invitation. Anyone else in the live room, feel free to raise a hand, hop on stage with us. But Martin, thank you for joining us. How's it going? Pretty good, guys. Taking a break from studying for my multivariable calculus class to join you. Oh, yeah, multivariable calc will uh, mess you up. They got three dimensions there. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I liked what you guys were talking about with the uh, defensive scheme in the playoffs. I'm wondering who we really have as an individual defender who can pick up those tough guards there in the Eastern Conference, like DeRozan and KD. Um, I think that, well, thanks for the question, Martin. I think... The Celtics are the best position team in terms of just like having individual defenders like throwing Marcus Martin, Derek White are like amazing. And then if you need a little bit more size, I think you can put Tatum on them. And especially like, is it against the Nets? Like, is it crazy? To, oh, I guess it is. I, the more I said it, I was like, is it a crazy to put Rob Williams on Kevin Durant? And then I said, yes, it is absolutely insane to do that. But no one can no one can defend Kevin Durant. Like you heard Marcus Smart on the JJ Redick podcast is talking about like, what do you do in that situation? You just kind of pray. Um, so I don't know if KD's the necessarily the best person to kind of try to figure out who the uh, Celtics best defensive options are, but I think if you look at the rest of the teams in the East, I would have no like no problem throwing Marcus Smart uh on pretty much anyone else in the Eastern Conference and having like a, a pretty good chance of stopping. I think the Celtics have a bigger issue with size, which is one reason why you can't stop Kevin Durant. And they have a bigger issue with like someone like slowing down Giannis, although, and uh, slowing down Embiid. That being said, I feel like out of all the players in the league, Al Horford has some of the best track records against both Giannis and Embiid compared to anyone else I can think of right now. Yeah. I think the Celtics, they're flexible too. Like their defense is flexible. If they want to, they can go big with Horford and Robert Williams. They can go smaller and have White and Marcus Smart and still have, you know, defenders everywhere. Um, so I, I, I don't think they should be worried about individual matchups. And I think, like, the last time the Celtics played the Bulls, Tatum did an awesome job on DeRozan down the stretch and the Bulls had nobody it shouldn't be like that was the benchmark for what will happen in a playoff series but Tatum and Jalen Brown are both very capable defenders too um so yeah I I think the toughest matchup in the Eastern Conference for them player wise 
is probably just MB, just because he's such a force. Um, but like you said, Horford has done as well a job against him as anybody, and you know, adding Tice as a little bit of depth will help if if one of those guys or two of those guys get in foul trouble, and then even Grant Williams, you can throw him on there onto Embiid at times if if you want to. I'm not sure that's the matchup you want unless Robert Williams is lurking lurking in the background to swat some shit away. But but you can do that if you absolutely need to. So I think, honestly, the Celtics are just loaded with good defenders. And and they have an extremely flexible and extreme, extremely sturdy defense. So they uh, that's the one hope the biggest reason for hope as as they go toward the playoffs is that that defense is a bear yeah and it, I, it gets back to an earlier point it was just like having Horford and Grant able to be just like guys you can switch in and out like I just think back to that game against the Nuggets where Jokic was like the guy and Jokic was still damn impressive in terms of just what he could do and how well the like the Nuggets looked uh, in that game. And what the Celtics were able to do is pretty much they threw Horford and Grant at him for pretty the majority of the game, just kind of having a big body on him, trying to slow him down a little bit. And then they were able to close with Robert Williams, who didn't have to extend as much energy. And, and I frankly, if Robert Williams has to cover I think someone like Embiid or someone like that size for an entire game, I just don't think he's going to be able to stay out of foul trouble. But with the Celtics having those guys that like, can take on kind of that big center um, with Horford, with Grant, it just like shows their versatility. Um, I think it's curious to see like what they're going to do with a team like I'm just thinking of like the worst possible matchup maybe or just some, a different thing that they could be thrown at him as like a very small team, like what the Nets could have. If the Nets go very small with like a Ben Simmons KD at the four and five and then just have shooters all around, I still think the Celtics are in a very good position to uh, guard across the board. Like they, the, the Celtics encounter with their kind of smaller lineup and I don't think they're going to lose any of that defensive intensity. And so however – a team plays up against the Celtics, I think they're going to be able to put five guys out there. They're going to be allow the team to defend um, whatever the matchup is. The real question is like what I think the Celtics are, can't, how easily can other teams slow down the Celtics and how other, how easily can other teams just like force them into isolation basketball? Because as good as Jason Tatum is, um, that's just like, then you're basically relying entirely on his one-on-one game to go out and like win a couple playoff games. I just don't think that's necessarily sustainable especially with all the attention um teams are going to get or teams are going to pay him um down like especially during the stretch of games that is that is all fair all fair points by my man jam packard thank you thank you we're going to go right now to zachary s zachary thank you for joining us here on anything is potable how's it going hey guys uh i'm wondering about your opinion on kind of where what the future looks like for the team as it stands right now because it seems like we've kind of reached a an equilibrium point where we're able to like the you know the the defense has been good all year now it's reaching like top five levels we've been the best defense in the league over the past you know whatever month or so um we have two great scores and we're able to kind of play make by committee um we've yet to see how it's going to hold up against like top tier teams when everybody is healthy in the playoffs. But I'm wondering how all in are we right now? Like how much flexibility do we have to move things around if this, if this, you know, configuration uh, doesn't kind of come through uh, at the highest level uh, down the stretch? Um, Where do we go if, you know, we need, we feel like we need an actual high end facilitator or, um, you know, something else to bolster our offense, more shooting. Uh, where do we kind of go? That's a good question. And I think it's a very worthy one because, you know, as you look at the Celtics, they've played really well over their last 10 games, but they, and they have a net rating that leads the Eastern Conference, which is hysterical. 
And if you listen to 538, they have as good a chance. They're the favorite. They're the favorite to win the title. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, they're not really title favorites. And realistically, they will not win a title this season. Um, So where do they go next? And I, I think... The these last 20 games and this playoff run will be a good chance for Brad Stevens to evaluate this recipe. And obviously this recipe doesn't have a ton of shooting around Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. Obviously this recipe is like, let's be big and bad and let's just kick the shit out of teams with our defense. And And how far can that go? And can Marcus Martin and Derek White be the right types of pieces to surround Tatum and Brown is is Robert Williams as as your third best offensive player in a playoff series is that good enough? Um, and I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but but we'll know more after this playoff run. And I think from Brad Stevens's standpoint, the the good thing is that even though they won't have salary cap flexibility, they will have flexibility. From the standpoint of they have a bunch of good players and good players who should be on movable contracts. And let, let, let's let say for whatever reason, the Celtics decide that, that White and Smart together are not the right formula around Tatum and Brown and that they should go out and get more of a playmaking point guard, a little bit more creation in that spot then they can and they still have all their future first round picks beyond this season and they still have um i guess they don't have much much in the way of of young talent that that is really like asset pieces um although grant williams probably has a bit of value after the way he's played this season but i just think there will be options for them if they do decide to to take the the roster in a different direction, they could always go after someone bigger, like you know Bradley Beal. Obviously, is a name that has been discussed for years and years. Um, but like they could they could decide to do something like that, um, and and nothing nothing is really out of the question because they still have all their picks. They they have good players in their lineup uh, who who are on long-ish deals and should have value on those deals. So that's the way I think Brad Stevens looks at it. Um, I don't think this is a finished product, but also if they surprise and look great in the playoffs and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, maybe some internal growth is all that the team needs and Tatum and Brown take another step forward as playmakers and maybe the all defense everywhere strategy can work and but we'll see we'll see I, I do think they have options though and flexibility if if it doesn't work because you know all their top seven eight pieces with the exception of of Al Horford are on pretty valuable contracts yeah it's like they can pretty much swing I don't know if the getting a third like Beal just doesn't necessarily make sense to me Next to like Tatum and Brown, like it feels like you want someone who provides a little something different than the the kind of scoring. But I think it's like this playoffs is a good opportunity for I don't want to say it's low stakes, but it's like less pressure, less expectations to go in and just like ball out and see what kind of this core can do. I just think they're in a very good place just because if you look at like the the four man lineup of smart Tatum, Brown and Williams, which I think we've called the core four for a while. They've played over 500 minutes this year and they have a 21 net rating. Like they have just been very solid when those four guys on the court. And I think it's a really good opportunity to see, you know, what, what's, is Derek White the kind of the fifth guy who can fit in there and really accentuate what those four guys do? And um, maybe it's Grant Williams. Maybe it's a, another guy, but I agree with you. They have a lot of um, flexibility in that regard. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys, the phone lines are lighting up. I love to see it. We're going to go to Nick C right now. Nick, how's it going? Thanks for joining us on Potable. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, doing this. Uh, my question is, if we keep struggling in the playoffs, should we consider maybe trading uh, Jay Wynn Brown or uh, Jason? No. Your thoughts, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what I, I I think those two guys are really good and they're really young and I think the last 15 20 games show that not only are they growing um, but that the Celtics idea of surrounding them with defense and a little bit more playmaking with Derek White and like it could work <laughs> and that not everything is going to be as difficult as it was earlier this season, at least when they're healthy. Um, and I honestly, the, the way that the Celtics have played lately, they still have a lot to prove, but the way that Ime Udoka's lessons have come through and, and the strides that the team has taken with regard to habits, especially offensively, I think there's a lot to like there and there's a lot, to, to build on there. Um, and to me, moving on from either Tatum or Brown would be very short-sighted at this point unless you're getting just a real superstar. Like, th- that'd be the thing. I, I, like, I don't think Jalen Brown's untouchable, but... It's just to hard to him. figure out how you're going to upgrade from... Like, I, I think Jason Tatum's absolutely untouchable. And it's very hard to figure out how you're going to upgrade from Jalen Brown. Like the point of the like roster building is to try to get guys who are stars on your team and put them together. And Jason Tatum's clearly a star kind of in the top 10 area. Jalen Brown could be an all-star. I think he has room to improve in his game, but like, what is he? He's a top 30 player. I think the, like the ESP was like around 27 when the, all the preseason rankings came out. It's like, where are you going to have an opportunity to get a top 15 guy with Jalen Brown? I just don't, I don't see it. It feels like as long as and those not, two guys are here and playing well, there's no reason to kind of get rid of either of them. I don't think like there's, they are the issue at all. And I don't think there's like a, a limit to what they can do together. I think, and the way they've played lately and the way they've bought into Udoka's lessons and the way they're starting to really, I think, help with the ball movement and everything like that. There's just been serious buy-in from the roster. And obviously part of that is just being healthy and having Marcus Smart available and having, you know, veterans pretty much everywhere. But I, I, if I were Brad Stevens, I would really want to see how those guys continue to play together. And it's a it's it's a world now where people are quick to try to break you up. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have had a lot of success. They are, I believe, twenty three and twenty five years old, and and they're the types of guys, the big playmaking wings that every team wants more of. That's though like. They're young, they're under contract, and they're exactly what every team is looking for. So, no, I wouldn't, I, even if it's a first round exit, I wouldn't rush to break up that duo. 
All right, William B. Billy B. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. How you doing? Good. 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 Thanks. Uh, thanks for choosing me for the question. Um, you guys uh, talked about the movable contracts and future effect flexibility. So my question is, uh, is: Is there anyone in the league that you would like to see the C's target who perhaps isn't top of mind or one of those so-called names that come up all the time? You know, like a Brad Beal someone who we maybe didn't see coming a bit like Derek White, uh, you know, who's impressed you guys. Jay, you know the league much better than I am. So no one initially came to mind. That's why I'm trying to defer to you. Is there anyone you like ideally think like would fit around kind of Tatum and Brown that you think they could possibly target? I still think shooting is the next step and will make everything easier for those guys. Um, and maybe Derek White's a good enough shooter. Maybe he his numbers will look different when he's getting, you know, better quality looks next to an all star type like Tatum and a borderline all star fringe all star type like Jalen. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, I I don't know who that shooter would be, but but shooting is is what they need to add and. It's going to be tough to add shooting without sacrificing from the defense they've built because their whole thing this year is they do not have a weak link in their rotation. They're just – it doesn't exist. And so it's hard to find a guy like that who can also space the court for you and and knock down shots at a high level. Like those guys are really, really tough to find. Um, but that's Brad Stevens' challenge. And so I don't know – I like like a, what type of what player would would fit that mold? Um, I'm trying to think of one. Like Lonzo Ball is like a pretty yeah something like that or like Mikel Bridges, like. But those guys are really really valuable, and no one wants to give them up except the Pelicans because they had no clue what they were doing and just decided Lonzo could go. Are a, a poorly run franchise, but even it's just like. It's like, yes, you want someone with the shooting who probably is like a better shooter than Marcus Smart, right? You want someone who's more consistent three-point shooter, a guy who's like a knockdown catch-and-shoot shooter. But it's like, are the gains you get from the shooting worth giving up all of the intangibles Marcus Smart provides or just giving up like kind of his defensive abilities? Like, are there two-way players that will give you enough of an upgrade on offense but like allow it so your defense doesn't, um, take any hits, and so I just don't know necessarily if there's like a young like guy in the head. Like the, one of the things I really liked about the Derek White trade is that he's on a contract for the next, I think, two and a half years, and he's kind of in the same age frame or age range as Tatum and Brown, and so they kind of can can grow together. And there's not like a I don't know. There's not like he's not necessarily like an older guy later in his deal, or like a younger guy. You have to kind of wait to, for them to develop. I don't know. I just did a very basic like looking at who's leading the league in three point percentage right now. Just looking at the top list, there's no names that necessarily like stick out in terms of like oh those, that guy would be absolutely perfect next to them. Um, I feel like they could make it work with a lot of guys, and so I think this is an interesting opportunity to see. It's like they've clearly gone all in on defense for this playoff run. What about Duncan very, Robinson? I just said they went all in on defense and that guy uh, cannot play deep. I, I've never, we've never really seen him with like a shooter like that. It's like, I'm just saying Celtics, I, like, I, I think moving forward, like Miami clearly is always in the market for a star. They have a ton of money committed to Adebayo, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, kind of fills the Duncan Robinson role. Um, so maybe they just want to have as much shooting as possible, but I also think they could look at Duncan Robinson's contract and think, okay, we have Max Struess here. We don't need that overlap. Um, so that that's just a name that, a, as you look at the rest of the league, could be someone that pops up as available, maybe. I, and I don't know that he will. I don't know what the Heat think about that. Um, but obviously he's a difference-making shooter, even though he hasn't been at his normal level this season. Yeah, I think it's fair. It's just like adding someone as elite at one talent. Um, 
can also think of just like a very like pass first playmate or like yeah chris paul might be interesting to see how he set up the celtics but like i don't i don't know it's gonna be fascinating to see if like kind of this all defense approach works in the in the postseason i think like as there's no championship expectations for the Celtics, but I just think it'll be very interesting in terms of data collection and figuring out where they stand compared to the rest of the league. Moving on to Joshua B. Join us live here in the athletic room. Josh, how's it Yo, going? Hello. hello. Awesome. So I was listening to you talk about, you know, no championship aspirations. And with the news that the New York Knicks are just going to, sit Kemba Walker for the rest of the season. Why not ask them to buy him out and then he can join the Celtics and provide just the ball hogginess shooting that, you know, he displayed for the Knicks all season long. <laughs> I mean, it's a, he could. He was pretty effective uh, not being good as a, for Celtics last year. It's a bold idea, Josh. I like that. It's a thinking outside the box. I feel so bad for Kemba, man. He's just a really good dude who loves to play basketball and has run into some bad, bad injuries and bad health. And like when he first got to Boston, he was so, so damn excited to play in the playoffs and experience the TD garden. I think he said shaking underneath his feet was the the way he used to describe it. And so that, I mean, that dude, he was like just about to grab so much of what he wanted. And then he got hurt and just wasn't the same last season in Boston. Things have deteriorated even further in New York. So I just hope he can get healthy um, because he's a really good dude who just loves playing basketball and, and wants to be on that court more than anything. So... Yeah, I was just remembering. He's like, oh, at least he at least he went on that playoff run. But then I remember the that playoff run was only it was, it was in, in the bubble. bubble. Yeah. He didn't even get to kind of experience the that home playoff environment, which is uh, too bad. It's weird that the Knicks have just been like, yeah, we're not going to buy you out. You're just going to sit out. But at this point, I don't know if Kemba would be valuable or even if he would play on an, another team. But yeah, it's not a super fun situation for him and that's just sad to see because he's always just like a great guy who just loved hooping i saw tom westerholm tweet out i was like remember when kemba couldn't play in the 2019 2020 uh season he was just like super pissed off he's just like the guy loved hooping so much and it's just like it's sad for him because the dude just wants to play so badly exactly 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 all right Matthew N will be the final caller of the podcast. Matthew, how's it going? All right. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, so my Thanks question, for joining me. Um, with the Celtics kind of where they are, and a previous caller asked about like finding that, that second-tier free agent this, uh, this offseason, but who are the veterans that the Celtics should be targeting to you know be that steady presence and Still think it's just shooting. Like they got all the defense. Derek White, his facilitating, it will be should be a help, um, especially when you pair him with Marcus Smart. Like those are two high IQ guys who who can really make the next pass. Um, I think that shooting will make things easier if they can get it and maintain their level of defense. And then, you know, looking at long term. How do you fill Al Horford's role? Because Horford is 35. He, his contract has just one more year left on it. Um, how do you fill his role? It could be as easy as giving that position to Grant Williams, but what do you do behind him? Um, and and so I think that's, that's one of the, the most interesting questions facing the Celtics is because Al Horford has been very good for them, especially defensively. He's been part of some great lineups, especially that first unit. And and so how how do you move on from him um, 
when do you do it? Do you do it this summer? Uh, when you can kind of take advantage of his diminishing contract, I guess, um, which is only like half guaranteed. Do you do it after his contract expires? Um, and at what point do you make that transition and, and what will that transition look like? So I don't yeah, know what it'll be, but, but obviously like playing with size and playing with a guy who's six ten, like Horford is and can really move his feet and stay in front of guards. Like those, are, those guys are rare. There aren't many dudes like Al Horford defensively in the league that can really guard in the post, but also get out on the perimeter. Uh, and I think, you know, everyone's talking about Robert Williams, the way he has been able to be like the rover or whatever and just providing help. Well, a lot of that is that Al Horford can be in the action all the time and be really freaking good at it and free up Robert Williams to do some cool shit. <laughs> so that that to me is like the biggest question. Shortish term, uh, I guess medium term, is is how do you – move on from a guy who's been really good and and really like helped set the identity for this team and the tough thing is there's just like not a great free agency class and so it's like i don't i'm looking at the list now there's like no clear veterans who immediately get kind of move in and can fill that al horford role i think it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do with that partially guaranteed contract next year just because he has been so valuable and he also makes a bunch of money um, I don't know if letting them go, like, I don't think it puts them, gives them any cap flexibility because they are paying a lot of guys. Um, but it's uh, how valuable is are, is he to them moving forward? And like, do they have Grant kind of being able to step up in that role? It's going to be fascinating moving forward. I'm glad that the this second half preview just turned into a, what should the Celtics do in the offseason or long term? Because that's a sign of a good NBA podcast is you always – you always move to the next offseason and just talk about potential transactions. Um, speaking of transactions, the Celtics uh, signed Malik Fitz, one of the best names uh, I've ever heard, and Kellen Martin to 10-day uh, contracts. Jay, are Malik Fitz and Kellen Martin potable? We didn't podcast about them, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I would say they're not potable. I would say no, I they're potable. They are potable. <laughs> Everything is potable! <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.